these guys uh, wanted to get that one. Uh, we've done now nine, ten teams. Uh, this this group has checked off the list, and, and uh, it wasn't like that before I got here. So um, it's a good feeling, and uh, you know we got a long season left. It's one game, but uh, Michigan's been very good for a long time, and they continue to be. Uh, he's a terrific coach, and I have a ton of respect for the Michigan program. So happy we got a W. That was Rutgers men's basketball coach Steve Peichel following Rutgers' historic win over Michigan on Tuesday at Jersey Mike's Arena. Why do I say historic? Because it was the first time the Scarlet Knights have ever beaten Michigan in 15 tries. They were 0 for 14. Well, you can now check another first off the list for Steve Peichel and his program. Michigan was the last Big Ten program that Rutgers had never beaten another first for Steve Peichel. And as Ron Harper Jr. said after the win, it's about time. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian DeNovellis. It's about time for another podcast. This is episode 19 of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. So glad you can join us. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year, everybody. A lot to get to with Rutgers and Seton Hall following their victories last night. Seton Hall avoiding, let's face it, what would have been a crushing, not disastrous, but a crushing 0-3 start in the Big East. Instead, they beat Butler at Hinkle. They've had some success there. They've won four out of the last five trips to Hinkle. 71-56 was the final. I will call that a comfortable, confident victory on the road. We'll get to the Pirates in a bit. First, we're going to begin in Piscataway. Rutgers, they have done what most fans thought they were incapable of doing. And that's right this ship, including me. I was wondering where this season was going for Rutgers. I didn't think they would get it righted this quickly based on the schedule. But let's look at things here. They lost three straight. Remember that? Of course you do. Lafayette, UMass, DePaul. Those losses, they've stained Rutgers' resume. You can't take it off. However, when you knock off the number one team in the country in Purdue, then you beat a team like Michigan. Those stains. All right, they're starting to come off a little bit. You have that little stain remover. We all have one of those in our laundry room. Those stains are starting to lift. But let's face it, Rutgers still has a lot of heavy lifting to do. Trust me. But they're trending in the right direction. Rutgers fans, how many of you thought after the UMass loss when you were three and three and you saw the Big Ten schedule coming at Illinois, home to Purdue, home to Michigan? Come on. You were thinking, oh, and three. This season is going up in flames. We saw the comments on Twitter. We saw the comments on the poster boards. Oh, my gosh. You wanted Pykel. You wanted him fired. How soon fans forget, and I'm as guilty as any of them, but how soon we forget, you know, it's what have you done for me lately? But Steve Peichel had done what no coach had done in 30 years. That buys you four more years, five more years, maybe a lifetime contract, what Steve Peichel's done. All right. How soon we forget, but come on, we're looking at one and two at best with Illinois, Purdue, and Michigan? Come on. 
Nobody thought they'd be two and one. Nobody. And now, suddenly, with Nebraska on the table on Saturday, Rutgers, yes, could be three and one in the Big Ten and nine and five overall. Not too shabby. So, how do they do it, folks? Let's start this way by shooting, right? Rutgers goes from being one of the worst shooting teams in the Big Ten to one of the best. When you shoot, man, the game looks so much easier, doesn't it? I know football comes down to blocking and tackling. Basketball comes down to scoring and defending. Guys get shots. Either they knock them down or they don't. Rutgers couldn't throw the ball in the ocean. As my Uncle Gil used to say, they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Well, they've been knocking down shots the last three games. Versus Maine, Rutgers shot 53% from the floor, 50% from three. Those are numbers that are going to win you games. Granted, I know it was Maine, one of the worst Division I teams in the country, but they knocked down the shots. The more you knock down, the more confident you get. So what happened in Central Connecticut? They shot 50% from the floor, 25% from three, not that good, but 50% from the floor is the key category there. And then along comes Michigan. They shot 48% from the floor, 48% from three. They hit 11 threes in that game. 11 threes, that ties the most threes they've ever hit in a Big Ten game. Suddenly, Rutgers is knocking down shots they were missing two and three weeks ago. And how about Geo Baker and Ron Harper? I heard what Michigan coach Jawan Howard said. Oh, they were hitting some bombs. He said that in his press conference. I, I, he, he must have seen a different game than I saw because, yeah, they hit some deep threes, but they hit open shots. I, the next time Michigan gets a hand in, in one of the Rutgers shooters' faces will be the first time. All right, they, they had some contested shots, but most of those shots were great looks thanks to great passing. And Geo Baker and Ron Harper played as good as a game as they have together on the floor at the same time. Okay, 27 points for Geo Baker. Too shy of his career high that he set against Brian his freshman year. Was that the best game Geo Baker ever played at Rutgers? Man, he's played some really good ones. He's hit some big-time shots. That is right up there. Considering the opponent, considering how bad Rutgers wanted to beat Michigan, how tired they were of hearing about this, I know Michigan was shorthanded. They, they, they had uh, three, four players down due to COVID, um, you know, six main rotation players, but it's still Michigan, all right? Rutgers came out and they punched Michigan in the mouth. That is what you do to a wounded team. That is what you do to a team that is coming in, you know, with no confidence. Rutgers led this game from start to finish. Harper hit the shots early. Baker hit the shots late. Harper with 20. Baker with 27. Go find a better game from those two in Rutgers history. I don't know if you can. I know Harper's had bigger games, but combined, that's got to be top two or three. Reason number three why they've done it. Caleb McConnell. 
he might have hit the biggest shot in the game. Okay, Rutgers was up comfortably double digits most of that game. Michigan goes on a run with about six minutes to play. They cut the lead to seven. It's 60 to 53. They're on a 6-0 run. The bench is up. All 10 of their fans in yellow were standing. And what does Rutgers do? It wasn't Baker. It wasn't Harper. It was Caleb McConnell who hits the three. The answer gets the lead back up to 10. The Rutgers fans are on their feet. And for all intents and purposes, that was the biggest shot of the game with just under six minutes to go. McConnell does all the little things so well. Finished with nine points, five rebounds, four assists, and something that doesn't show up in the box score is his defense. My gosh, does he get after it. Caleb McConnell was on Eli Brooks. He was on the five-star recruit, the freshman with all the hoopla, Caleb Houston. He did yeoman's work on the defensive end once again. And reason number four that Rutgers is playing so well, they shared the ball. They had 20 assists. That's a lot. Second most ever that they've had in a Big Ten game. And Paul Mulcahy, a couple of weeks ago, I was critical of him on my podcast. After that Seton Hall loss, he didn't score a field goal in that game. He lacked confidence. He didn't want to take a shot. He was passing up open shots. Well, he hasn't been doing that. He used the time during COVID to recharge his battery. And those games against Maine and Central Connecticut helped his confidence immensely. He came off a game in which he hit a career-high four three-pointers against Central Connecticut. He buried an early one. They were daring him to shoot. He hesitated. He looked. He's like, okay, I'll shoot it. And he swished it early in that game when Rutgers, I think, hit six or seven field goals in a row to open up a double-digit lead. Mulcahy didn't score a lot of points in that game, had five. But, man, did he work the floor. He is doing what Steve Peichel wants him to do. He picks his spots. He takes care of the basketball. He distributes the basketball. He had seven assists in that game against Michigan and only one turnover. If you have a two-to-one turnover to assist ratio or assist to turnover ratio, you know, double the assist to turnovers, that's what a point guard should do. Paul Mulcahy has 60 assists on the season and only 21 turnovers. That's a three-to-one ratio. That is excellent. Paul Mulcahy is running the floor the way Steve Peichel wants him to do. This team is playing with confidence. They have a long way to go. I get it. And both of their Big Ten wins have come at home. Their only road game, they lost by 30, and they were never in the game. So they have to win Big Ten road games, ladies and gentlemen. But there are opportunities coming up. We'll get to that in a bit. But confidence is contagious, just like losing. They're both a state of mind. Rutgers came out. They punched Michigan in the mouth. They put their foot on their throat, and they never took it off. They wanted this game in the worst way. Are you kidding me? 
all these players, all any Rutgers player has ever known is losing to Michigan. And they finally got the monkey off their backs. Do you think they wanted this? I asked them that after the game. Following the game, the importance of beating Michigan for the first time. I followed that up with a few more questions for Ron Harper. Here's what Baker and Harper had to say after the game. This was a big one for me personally. Um, you know, I was saying earlier to some of the guys on the radio, uh, you know, I grew up watching Michigan basketball. Like, they're my mom's favorite team when I was growing up. So, uh, you know, to get a win against them was something that's super special. Um, you know, they didn't recruit me coming out of high school, obviously. So, um, you know, just to be able to play in the same conference in general is just special. But now to finally get a win, you know, five years coming, uh, you know, I've been, been trying to get a win against them for a long time. So it felt real good for me. And then for the program, too, you know, we're trying to make history. All the guys, you know, we all talked about it before the game that we wanted to get them off the list. And, you know, we finally did. So everyone's feeling good right now. Ron, you said during the press conference, it's about time we beat Michigan. Could you follow up on that? Yeah, man, it's just it's about time. I can re- I can recall every time we played Michigan freshman year, handled us at our place when it was direct, sophomore year we lost at we lost at madison square garden when we out when we our numbers were better than them on every stag we, we were like a plus 20 rebounds plus 20 like time possession it was just the, those losses hurt you know we haven't beat them we're one in four against them and it's something to keep building on but like i said we want to be a, a part of a lot more first and be in michigan and it is about time i feel like because i feel like we, we lost some of those games that we could have won against them but it's kind of like a full circle moment to get one today in front of our fans and it, it just felt good COVID is funny. I mean, it can crush some teams and really set them back. And yet, in some strange way, it seems like you guys were able to maybe recharge, regroup, and uh, put something together here with three straight wins. That, yeah, that break was definitely it was definitely challenging, though. You know, uh, we're not practicing as a team for for 13 days, and it takes a toll. Like dudes, when we got back to practice, dudes are tired. I'm still trying to get back into the shape I was before the break. But uh, yeah, it's just, we're just gonna keep working. Like you said, if it's like COVID can destroy teams and we've been dealing with it for two years so I feel like we know how to take care of it and we're just gonna take the right safety precautions and we're just gonna keep moving forward. How has this team been able to stay confident while others maybe outside had lost confidence in you? Uh, it's okay, you know. Uh, I tell these guys at the end of the day, we got each other. We got the coaching staff, and we know what we're capable of. We know that we believe in each other. And when we go out there, uh, we hope our fans are with us. But at the end of the day, we know we're going to go out there and compete and do it to the best of our ability. And we know our performances aren't always going to please everybody. You know, it's, it's this kind of business you live in, man. What, what, what fan or what fan base is always satisfied? Not, not, not one single one. So it's okay at the end of the day. You know, ups and downs in seasons. It happens to the best of them. It happens to champions. So we're just going to keep pushing. And, you know, if you lose confidence, it's okay. We got each other, and we're gonna keep uh, we're gonna keep picking each other up. When you and Geo shoot like this, and the team, really, I mean, do you feel like you're unbeatable? Uh, yeah, unbeatable is a funny way to put it, but uh, it, it's, it's real hard for teams to stop us when we're shooting the ball like this. And it's a lot of full circle moments. You know, that's how we were shooting the ball preseason. You know, and some of us have struggled shooting the ball early in the season. And, you know, we everybody's been through them slumps. I've been through months worth of those slumps. So I just know what it takes to get back get back in the flow. And, you know, today was a good game for everybody to catch the rhythm, see the ball go into the net. And it's a product of us sharing the game. I was sharing the game, I was passing, passing it around and, you know, these guys, exactly. These guys, these guys in Paul McKay play play a great deal in that. You know, they're always looking to find somebody. So it's just all about teamwork and finding that chemistry. They have found it. They have found the chemistry that was missing in November and most of December. And in a funny, strange, 
bizarro world kind of way, I know that COVID can really take its toll on, on you physically, mentally. You're not able to practice. Heck, you're not even able to leave your dorm. You're in quarantine. Who wants to live like that? All right. But in a strange way, somehow they were able to shake it off and refocus and use the limited practice time that they've had over the last two weeks and string together three wins. And this team's confidence is as high as it's been all season long. And now it's time to take advantage of a, a, a favorable schedule that Rutgers has coming up. Let's talk about that schedule. Nebraska coming up. If they win that game, they're three and one. So the month of January and February 1st is really the time for Rutgers to make some noise and get some wins because February is absolutely brutal. Home to Nebraska, at Penn State, at Maryland, home to Iowa, at Minnesota, home to Maryland, at Nebraska, and February 1st at Northwestern. All right, let's give them the home wins. Although home to Iowa will not be easy, but we're going to give them the wins at home. So three of those games are at home, Nebraska, Iowa, and Maryland. Then they have five away games. That is where Rutgers really has to show me something because to win a Big Ten road game, I don't care if it's at Nebraska, I don't care if it's at Penn State or at, you know, a slightly above average Maryland team. It is difficult to win on the road in the Big Ten. There's five of them. Can you go two and three? If they go two and three on the road and three and oh at home, that's five and three. That gets you to seven and four in the Big Ten and 13 and eight overall. That would put them on track to get to that goal of 12 wins in the Big Ten because that's really a number they need to strive for. Now, they're not thinking that way, but we can as fans. And, and watchers of this program. Dare I say, could Rutgers go three and two in those road games? I mean, it's not like they're going at Michigan State, at Ohio State, and at Wisconsin. All right, could they? They could. So let's say best case scenario, they go six and two. Then you're talking eight and three in the Big Ten, 14 and seven overall. But that's what you're looking at. Next eight games, win five of the next eight. It's doable. Anything less than that, and it just becomes a slippery slope for this team to even get into contention and even get on that NCAA tournament bubble. Something to watch in the month of January because February, after February 1st, it is absolutely brutal. Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin twice, Purdue again. You have to go at Michigan. Do you think they'll want that game after what happened in the handshake line? All right. When tempers flared at the rack and, and shoves happened, you know, Michigan is, is going to want revenge in that game. That game is not going to be easy. But there are some difficult games coming up in February. This team is focused. Their confidence is as high as it's been all season. As I said, I like 
where this team is at. They need to get more production out of their bench. They got some production from Andre Hyatt. I like what I'm seeing from Jalen Miller defensively, but they need more. All right. Hopefully Mawat Mag is not seriously injured. Reports are after the game from Steve Peichel. He lost some teeth. He had to go to the dentist immediately uh, when he left the building. Mawat Mag is an important piece of this bench, an important piece of this Rutgers team. So we hope that he can get back and healthy and get back to helping this team as soon as possible. But they need some production, more production out of their bench because the starters and Andre Hyatt cannot do it all by themselves. But hey, Rutgers fans, you're smiling once again. All right, you're not thinking NCAA tournament, but at least this team is showing you what you thought they would be at the beginning of the season. They are that team now. Okay, let's switch to Seton Hall. What a huge win for this program. All right, I'm not, I'm not calling it the best road win ever. I'm not calling it the most important win ever. They've won at Hinkle Fieldhouse, like I said earlier in the podcast. But where this team was, boy, did they desperately need a win because COVID had derailed this Pirates Express. They had some swagger. They were nine and one. Their confidence was sky high. I mean, they felt like they could beat anyone in the country where this team was playing after beating Texas and Rutgers. This team was nine and one. And then COVID absolutely just pulled the rug right out from under their legs. And we saw what happens when COVID can lock a team away shut you down, and then you come back from a 10 or 12 day, you know, layoff, trying to get one or two practices in, and you have to play Providence and Villanova in back-to-back games. I give the Pirates a ton of credit. Boy, this team battles. They don't give up. They had eight dressed players and really played only seven in those games. All right. What team can really do that? Even Villanova. You know, I know Jay Wright only plays seven or eight players, but he still has more at his disposal. When you know that you only have that margin of error and you're missing your two centers, you're missing two starters in Ike Obiagu, who started a number of games, and Tyree Samuel, your two best, tallest defenders, That's hard to do. Look what Villanova did to them, breaking down their defense inside. Jay Wright went into that with the perfect game plan, and Villanova executed it. Providence wore them down, all right? But Seton Hall, to their credit, was in both games. Seton Hall was within a basket of tying Providence. Seton Hall led Villanova by one with two minutes to play before Brian Antoine got an offensive rebound. And Justin Moore put Villanova ahead for good. But Seton Hall showed they're never going to go down without a fight. And that mentality, plus the addition of Ike Obiago, propelled them to a win at Butler. They got off to a really slow start in this game, down 16-9. Pirate fans shaking their head. They couldn't 
they couldn't shoot. They weren't defending well. I mean, Butler really took it to them. Bryce Golden was just destroying them. And then Ike Obiagu came in the game. Kaderi Richmond came in the game, provided a spark. Seton Hall went on a 7-0 run. Richmond was really driving, making things happen offensively. Ike Obiagu, man, is that the best first half Ike Obiagu has played? It's one of them. Eight points, three rebounds, two blocks. He was huge. And if you didn't think that Ike Obiagu was a valuable piece and an important piece and a critical piece to what Seton Hall does defensively, then you don't watch Seton Hall. And Tyree Samuel, by all accounts, he is back on campus. And that was very bizarre, wasn't it? By all reports and the information that I received is that Tyree Samuel was allowed to go home to Canada for Christmas to be home with his family in Canada for Christmas. And that's where it gets very gray. The information I received was that officials in Canada, whoever it were, whoever it was, these officials would not let Samuel go back to South Orange. Was it due to COVID protocols? Whatever it was, he was stuck in the country. And that's part of the reason why he missed Providence, Villanova, and then Butler. But reports are that he's back on campus. He will be practicing with the team and he should be back for UConn. And that will put Seton Hall at or near full strength when they face the Huskies. And boy, do they need him. What will he be able to provide? I'll tell you what. Anything that Tyrese Samuel can provide will be better than nothing because Seton Hall at full strength in the middle with Tyrese Samuel and Ike Obiagu, we saw what they could do against Ohio State, even though they lost that game. We saw what they could do against Texas. We saw what they could do against Michigan. We saw what they did against Rutgers. That is a dangerous team. Seton Hall came into this game against Butler needing a win. It wasn't pretty. It doesn't have to be pretty. You just have to win. We know that. You don't get style points. They won a Big East road game by 15 points. You know how hard that is to do? They took it to Butler. Once they fell behind 16 to 9, over the final 34 and a half minutes of that game, they outscored Butler by 22 points. How did they do it? They did it with defense. Seton Hall came into this game 11th in the country in defending the three. Last year, they were one of the worst teams in the country at defending the three. Boy, oh boy, do you think that has been one of the mantras? Do you think that has been one of the focuses of Kevin Willard this year? They held Butler to 24%, six of 25. So that number of 26% is going down, all right? They defend the three. They are the best team in the Big East by far defending the three and soon to be one of the top teams in the country defensively. So they did it defensively. They did it blocking shots. They blocked five shots in the game. 
Yetna had two. Ike Obiago had two. They did it with a trio scoring in double figures and hitting big shots and big free throws down the stretch. Alexis Yetna, another double-double. He's now back to his more comfortable position of the power forward. And he can go out and he can stretch the defense, as you saw, hitting two big threes in the final minutes of that game. He ended up with 14 and 10. Jared Roden did what Jared Roden does. He's the leading scorer on this team. He wanted the ball. He hit big threes, three for seven in the game, hit big free throws, ended up with 17 points. Flashback to the Villanova game. Did you think it was a little odd or a little out of place that Jared Roden didn't take a shot, didn't attempt a shot in the final five minutes of that game against Villanova? The last shot he took was a deep forced three. And I remember it well that I was scratching my head saying, man, why did he take that? And then in the final minutes, in the final five minutes of a seesaw game late in that game, when Seton Hall was within one possession several times, Jared Roden didn't take a single shot. Hmm. Something was wrong. Well, he did an interview, a phone interview with Jerry Carino from the Asbury Park Press following the win over Butler. And he told Jerry that he and Kevin Willard had a talk after that Villanova loss and that they wanted to practice more in his shooting. He went back and he practiced more in his shooting, where to look for his shot. And he went out of his way to praise Coach Willard and say he's the best coach that I've ever played for. One of Willard's best strengths is managing egos and letting guys play to their strengths and letting guys make mistakes and giving them the rein to shoot and giving them the confidence to shoot and telling them, listen, take the shot. He did it with Miles Powell. He did it with Desi Rodriguez. He did it with Kadeem Carrington. He did it with Isaiah Whitehead. He did it with Sandro Mamukelashvili, and he's doing it with Bryce Aiken, and he's certainly doing it with Jared Roden. Jared Roden knew he had to look for his shot more in this game, and he did. He only shot four of 12, but three of seven from three and six of six from the free throw line. He got to the free throw line. That is another big reason why Seton Hall won this game. How about 18 of 19 from the free throw line? For the first eight or nine seasons under Kevin Willard, Seton Hall was horrendous at free throws. Over the last two years, they have become the second best free throw shooting team in the Big East Conference behind, you know who, Villanova. Villanova has been the standard bearer. Villanova has been the best free throw shooting team in the Big East, it seems, every year under Jay Wright. Seton Hall is right there at number two. Do you know what Seton Hall is shooting for the year from the free throw line? How about 76%? That is outstanding. There were years they were 68%, 67%. Threw up eight, nine points in free throws. That is hard work. 
that is attention, that is focus, that is wanting it. And they shot 18 of 19. That's a big, you shoot that on the road. Are you kidding me? 18 of 19, phenomenal. Uh, Bryce Aiken, by the way, was the other guy in double figures. And when was the last time you saw Bryce Aiken have more assists than shots in a game? I'm not saying Bryce Aiken shoots a lot, but he's not afraid of the big shot. That's for sure. He's not afraid to take a shot. He has the ball in his hands. He can create a shot. He was four for six from the field, hit all three of his free throws, had seven assists and only one turnover. Let me repeat that. Bryce Aiken, 12 points, seven assists, one turnover in 30 minutes of action and shot four of six. That is an outstanding game. Outstanding. He got guys involved. He picked his spots. He took shots when he had the shot, not when he wanted to, but when he had the shot. And that hesitation drive in the final four minutes of that game where he was looking, hesitating, went back, and then saw a lane and exploded and laid it in was one of the key moments in that game, in that win over Butler. So Seton Hall gets the win they needed. Now they're one and two in the Big East, getting healthy. And here comes UConn on Saturday. That is a huge game, really, for both teams. UConn is coming off a pause. It'll be interesting to see how they handle things. Seton Hall has the confidence that they've needed. Seton Hall has confidence that they can now win and they have players coming back or just coming back. Two teams battling at the Prudential Center in an important January game for both. That is going to be a big time game. And it'll be interesting, as I said, to see where UConn is. UConn hasn't played a game since December 21st when they won at Marquette. Who, by the way, did you just see what they did to Providence winning by 32 points? Marquette has wins over Providence, Illinois, Shaka Smart has Marquette really playing some, some good basketball. They are a dangerous team. So that's the last time UConn took the floor, December 21st. It'll be 18 days in between games for UConn. We know how Seton Hall handled that 17-day layoff coming off COVID. They battled Providence but lost. I expect a battle from UConn. Will that be enough to win? We shall see. It's tough to win a Big East road game. We know that. It's even tougher coming off an 18-day layoff. Advantage Seton Hall. You got to play the game on the floor. Saturday, noon, Newark, the Prudential Center. For Seton Hall fans, for Big East basketball fans, that is must watch. Man. It is getting fun around here once again. COVID is the biggest obstacle for all of these teams. Which program can navigate COVID the best? And it's not just your own navigation because you have to worry about your opponent. What if your opponent has COVID and you can't play a game? Like what's happening with St. Peter's. Five games they had canceled due to COVID. 
whether it was because of their own or because of their opponent. That is going to be key to watch the remainder of this season. Maybe it's a good thing that COVID has hit Seton Hall and Rutgers and UConn and even St. John's and Monmouth and St. Peter's and so many teams in this tri-state area. Maybe it's a good thing that they had it in December and early January and not March. Let's hope it doesn't get them in March. Okay. Let's hope that it doesn't come back again because what we're learning about COVID is you can get it more than once, but if they can stay COVID free and stay healthy, man, the basketball in this area, Rutgers is confident. Seton Hall is confident. We'll see where St. John's and UConn are after long pauses. And we will talk about them and more teams in the tri-state area on the next podcast. That will do it for this episode of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My hope to you is that you stay happy, healthy, and prosperous in 2022. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time right here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. So long.